0: In response to the preaching, let us sing from Psalter number 371. No, sorry, 374, the stanzas 1, 2, and 5. 374, 1, 2, and 5. Congregation of the Lord. This afternoon, I wish to explore with you the greatest doxology that has ever been sung never that was sung by the angels above the fields of Ephrata. It is the greatest doxology because, first of all, it is to the praise of God and it is meant for your and my peace and it shows and it declares to us who God is for people who repent of their sins. And so I want to explore that with you in more detail. As I began to study it in the original language, then I discovered that there are some great some great things to be said about it. Now, before I go into that, I do want to say something about the angels who sang this great and marvelous doxology. Those angels, um, they knew of God's plan of salvation. And the question can be asked, well, what were their thoughts about it? Well, we know that because we know that they were excited about it because they sang this great doxology about it. The story that uh, we know and is well known to each one of us has been read already. It tells us that the shepherds were watching over their sheep, their flock by night. And all of a sudden there was this bright light and an angel came to those shepherds, declared to them not to be afraid. And then the good news was given as well that there was uh, the news of the birth of Jesus Christ. And once that news was given, then there was this, this massive choir of angels and when I began to read this, now what does it say then that that a multitude of heavenly hosts? Well, I may tell you that this is this is military language, in fact, because when it says there um, about the 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 multitude of hosts, it actually uses one word, "stratias," which means soldiers. So there was a multitude, a great army of soldiers, angelic soldiers, lifting up their voice in praise to God. And you can imagine that the demons in hell were shuddering when they heard this particular doxology to the praises of God sung by the angels, by the armies of heaven. Now, perhaps... You have always thought, well, this this angelic song, it must have sounded like a boy's, a massive boy's choir. Well, it was far more than that. It was something like a huge army singing the songs of praise to God. Well, now, don't think, therefore, that it was just a, a small host of angels, but it was a huge host of them. And this then takes me to my theme, as I want to consider with you, the angelic song celebrated, celebrating the birth of Christ. And there are three words that I want to explain to you, and I'm going to say them for a moment in Greek. But you will understand, you will catch it. The first word is doxa. That's where our term doxology comes from. The second word is Irene. That's where the name Irene comes from. And Irene means peace, tranquility. And then the third word is Eudokias, which means good pleasure, Eudokias. And so these are the three words I'm going to try to bring out in the message of this hour. And so we're first going to uh, hear something about that it is a song of glory. Secondly, it is a song of peace. And then, thirdly, it is a song of God's pleasure. Now, congregation, the first part of this angel song speaks of the glory of God. Literally translated, they sang, Glory to God in the highest. The angels, like no other creatures, knew precisely the whole matter of man's salvation and that it has come directly from who it has come directly from god himself from day one so to speak the angels have taken a keen interest in what god is doing in job 38 for instance we read what happened during the time of creation When the morning stars sang together. That's another way of of saying, speaking about the angel. When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's all what the angels could do and, and wanted to do is praise God even during the time of creation. At creation, therefore, when, when God was busy creating the universe, when He was busy creating the world and all the things that belong to the nature that we have in front of us, and then particularly man especially, it was then already that the angels in heaven were busy praising God, singing, doxologizing God. As such, the angels have always had a special interest in the relationship between the Creator and the crown of creation, that is, the relationship between God and mankind. And imagine how the angels must have been shocked when, God, when man dared to rebel against God. They must have held their breath, so to speak, in waiting to see how God would react to this rebellion. Would they have to take up the march towards the earth and destroy it all? As soldiers would want to do, God, as it were, said, hold back, hold back. Perhaps that particular day, there was great mourning amongst the angels when one of the angels had to go and chase man out of the Garden of Eden and place himself as a guard at the gate of the Garden of Eden so no one could enter in again. No doubt it must have been seen by the ranks of the angels that something terrible had happened with man. But we know from the Word of God that God did not allow this relationship between Him and man to be broken permanently. And again, no doubt, they were the first ones to realize this already. And so with bated breath, they waited to see what God would do. What would God do to repair this breach between Him and mankind? And in the course, therefore, of biblical history, we know that the angels were very keen on finding out what precisely God would do. Or as we read it in 1 Peter 1 verse 12, they were keen to and they were desiring to look into this very mystery. And whenever God sent them therefore to a certain person with a message, it was a message of good cheer for them. And one thing was very clear to the angels of God That yes, God was busy working out his plan of salvation. He was busy restoring the relationship that should be right between God and man. What was also clear to the angels at that time already was that this plan of salvation would involve the Son of God, particularly And they understood already that he would have to go down to this earth, that he would have to dwell amongst mankind for a time, and that somehow he would have to do what is necessary to restore that particular relationship. How the Son of God would do this? We are not sure if the angels knew that. But they knew that the going of God's Son down to this earth would be a moment that God's plan of salvation would be put into action. And suddenly, suddenly the time had arrived. The moment had come. God's Son would come down to this earth. And He would come down to this earth by way of a baby to be laid in a manger. A baby born of the Virgin Mary who took upon himself Jesus. and This the angels could announce. First to the Virgin Mary, who would have the Christ child, and then to some shepherds, who in turn would be the first to make their baby visit. And I believe that at that very moment, The angels could no longer contain themselves anymore. And after they have sped to this earth, towards this earth, to tell the glad tidings to the shepherds, the rest of the host of angels burst forth from the high heavens. And they filled the skies. And they began to sing one massive doxology, the best doxology that could ever be sung, glory to God in the highest and to mankind, peace on earth. The doxology that we know so well. I wish and I trust that you also could wish that you could have been there standing with those shepherds to hear and to see this massive army of angels Singing this grand doxology, glory to God in highest, how awesome they must have sounded when they sang that doxology. Someone once remarked, and that in somewhat quaint old English language, and I 'm just going to quote it this way: "Methinks, they sang with gladness in their eyes, with hearts burning with love and with their breasts as full of joy as if the good news to man had been good news to themselves. The angels were just full of joy. Now notice, congregation, that the angels began their mighty song with these words, glory to God, doxa to God. They were keen on beginning where all things Good have begun, that is, with God, with God. As you know, man's salvation and restoration to God is, after all, an act of God, isn't it? It is an act of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And if no one on earth realized this at that moment, the angels certainly realized that they had been God's. Closest observance and witnesses to this fact, and for this reason, the beginning and the first line of this song is Glory to God, doxa to God in the highest. Now, dear people, this angel's song teaches us that salvation begins with God and that He should therefore be the first to get the glory and the praise for it. and Therefore, if the salvation of man, if that salvation of man brings glory to God, it should make our desires for that salvation a highly, highly desirable gift for us. We should long to have that salvation because it brings glory to God. Perhaps I could say it this way. If salvation gives glory to God, let us then have that salvation. May we experience it richly. Let us then repent of our sin. Let us then believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, because nothing will give more glory to God than that. Glory to God in the highest, the angels sang, and good reason for it as well, because the Bible tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Those words summarize salvation, doesn't it? And therefore, to God be the glory. Now have you and I, have we learned to confess this already? This would mean that also your and my salvation is of, of God alone, nothing of our works, nothing of our works. It is of God alone. And if God gets the glory for it, it means that he gets the credit also for planning our salvation and for working out that salvation in you and in me. If God gets the glory, it means that He has been the source, He has been the fountain of our salvation, He is the continuing of our salvation, He is the completer, and He is the perfecter of our salvation as well. And I trust you see this, and that you understand this. And the angels did. And this is why we hear their song, Glory, Doxa, to God in the highest. Well, what about this second part of the angel song? This song that speaks of peace. Well, notice what it is said there. And on earth, peace. Now, this is not said as a wish. This is not said as a prayer. But it is a statement of fact. As much as there is glory in the highest places to God... There is peace on earth. Now, you might ask them, well, what do the angels mean here by by this part of the song? Well, we know that there is no peace on earth, is there? There's no peace on earth between various nations, between various tribes, between various peoples, even between various families. In fact, we know that in in some marriages also there is no peace and that among some siblings there is no peace. How sad that is. We know also that such unpeaceful conditions have developed. Why? Because of sin in man. Particularly the sin of pride and the sin of selfishness. There was peace once. And that in the Garden of Eden until man fell into sin and the first evidence of that broken peace that that peace had departed from them was when Cain killed his brother Abel. And so what do the angels mean then by singing this fact and on earth peace? Well, it ties in very closely with the first part of that song that focuses on God's plan of salvation for man. It refers to the greatest blessing that man can have in terms of having God's plan of salvation worked out in his or her life. If there is nothing greater than God getting the glory, there is nothing greater than man Obtaining and getting that peace. So the two of them, you see, they stand together. They they are in direct relationship with each other. God may revel in His glory, and man may rejoice because he has peace. Well then, what sort of peace is that, you might ask? It is peace with God. Peace in man's relationship with God. Peace of heart, peace of mind, peace of conscience, even. Peace because God, you see, He has worked His salvation plan out in mankind. And again, the question can be asked well, what sort of peace is this then? It is a peace that is inward, it is to a great extent mysterious, to be sure. Even as the Bible speaks of that in Philippians chapter 4 where it speaks of the peace of God it is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And those who have that peace with God they know what it is and I trust you know what it is as well. Those who do not have that peace with God the whole thing makes no sense to them whatsoever. Now why did the angels sing and on earth peace at the time of announcing the birth of the Son of God, Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ is the way by which man can have such peace. Jesus Christ, after all, came to earth primarily to restore that broken relationship that has existed for such a long time already since the fall, that broken relationship between God and man. Jesus Christ came to this earth to establish peace and it cost him a great sacrifice to do so. We know that, don't we? It took him to the cross. It led him into the grave. It cost him his blood. It cost him his life to establish this peace between man and God. And I cannot really say it any better than how the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. Let me quote that for you, a few verses. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. And enmity is hatred. The enmity, thus making peace that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, the hatred, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were very near. Therefore, the peace on earth that the army of the angels sang about is a peace that believers in Jesus Christ may enjoy even presently. Well, now let me ask, as application, do you know of this peace that Jesus Christ has earned for you? This is not merely just a prayer. This is merely not just a wish. It is a fact. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ... There is that peace established between you and God. You have peace with God that passes understanding. You, 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 cannot, you cannot fathom what this all means. You cannot understand it perfectly. But it is a peace that is perfect. You might not even be able to explain what it means and that you have it, but it is a fact, dear people, even as the army of angels declared it above Ephrata's fields and on earth, peace. Now, it is possible, of course, that you do not have that peace with God yet. It may be evidence that you have not yet believed on Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the Bible also teaches this to us as well, that there is no peace outside of Christ. In fact, the Bible states it quite categorically even in Isaiah, that there is no peace to the wicked. To the wicked. And if this happens to be your case, whoever is hearing, listening to this message please consider seriously the implications of not being at peace with God. It means that that relationship between you and God is still broken. And if this relationship between you and God is not restored before you die, God will not permit you to enter into heaven. The angels, as a mighty army, will then make sure of this as well. As you read of this in the book of Revelation. Because they will stand guard by the very gates of heaven. Revelation twenty-one twelve. Well, what is it then that you and I must very seriously consider? This is what I must speak to you of in the third place. In the third part of the angel's threefold song. The song of God's pleasure. We read in our Bible version, goodwill toward men. This refers of of God's goodwill toward men. Now, there is some debate about what is the best translation and interpretation of that one word, eudokia. That is the last word in that song, eudokia. That's the word that the angels used And this beautiful word is found several times in the Bible versions that we have in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 to Thessalonians 1, verse 11 as pleasure or good pleasure. And I believe, therefore, that pleasure or good pleasure is a good interpretation and understanding of that word eudokia. We know that God has good pleasure towards man. And now hear this. He has good pleasure towards man whether he is a saint or a sinner. Whether he is a believer in Jesus Christ or not yet. Yet an evildoer. Yes, you heard me correctly. God has good pleasure even to those who are still in their sin and who are still not at peace with God. God has good pleasure towards them. Just listen to what God himself says, as is recorded for us in Ezekiel 33, verse 11. As I live, and so God, as it were, he 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 swears by himself. As I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his way and live and then hear him call out to wicked man, turn, turn you from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? God is speaking here in in most specific terms. You see, God has no pleasure in seeing a sinner die, but he has great pleasure in seeing a sinner come to life, to faith in his son. God is not pleased to see a person miserable in a self-indulgent life and die hopelessly a hopeless death. Such lives and such deaths, they do not bring any kind of pleasure or joy to God. Now, God is not like man. If, for example, you have been terribly hurt by someone... You might take some pleasure in seeing that person get hurt himself. And you might then even say, Well, he deserves it because look what he did to me. You have you take no you take in fact some pleasure then in seeing your enemy get hurt and getting him his just reward. But God is not like man. He's not like man. He does not like to see his enemies go that route at all. He likes to see his enemies become his friends. He likes to see that broken relationship restored between him and sinful man. And you know something? The angels, they knew of that all along. Therefore, you and I, we should also know this. You and I should know, therefore, that it is definitely God's good pleasure that you and I be saved and that you and I be at peace with God. And how can we then be so certain of this? Well, God has seen to it to bring us the gospel, after all, that is, the gospel of peace, that is, of salvation, and it is through the gospel of God's good pleasure, therefore, that He invites us to Himself, as He says in Isaiah one verse eighteen, Come now and let us reason together, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now this, this should be of great encouragement to any and all of us hearing this message. And the angels, they sang it so beautifully. They sang this wonderful gospel fact and to men, Eudokias, good pleasure, divine favor, divine grace, Eudokias. Now in closing, allow me two applications yet. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let this threefold song ...of this army of angels above the fields of Ephrata, ...give you great reason to worship God along with the angels. We can be assured that God is glorified in the highest heavens. Glory to God in the highest. We can be certain that we are at peace with God... ...through our beloved Savior Jesus Christ... Our prince of peace and on earth peace. So the angel sang it. We may also be comforted that it was God's good pleasure that we become saved and that it is God's good pleasure as well. That others, perhaps your children or your grandchildren, your wife, your husband, your friend, your neighbor may yet be saved. And to man, good, okay, a good pleasure. My second application is to you who must still come to faith. Let this threefold song sung by this army of angels put you into the spirit to come to peace with God. It is his good pleasure that you would. He has sent his beloved son Jesus Christ to this earth for people like you. Do not let your unpeaceful past keep you at a distance from God. And even now, the Lord Jesus Christ can be heard to say, Come to me. And be assured that He can save you from your sin, that He can restore that broken relationship that you had with God, be assured that He can give you that peace that the angels sang of, and therefore do not stay behind, do not be intimidated by this huge army of angels because they are there, and at this moment still, to declare the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good tidings of great joy that come to you and to me, which shall be to all people, so we are told, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, good pleasure to men. Believe, therefore, on the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is the greatest proof of God's good pleasure. And You know, someday, this great army of angels, this multitude of heavenly hosts will usher you in to be with Christ. And you will find yourselves physically and spiritually upon this new earth and this new heaven of peace that surpasses all understanding. And as I've mentioned something recently as well, the peace that these angels sang about Glory to God in the heavens will be passed by the song of the redeemed when they will praise God and the angels will stand in awe what they hear. Amen.